Hey, how you doing, folks? This is Gospel of Kennison, episode 117, brought to you the week of February 11th, 2020. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. Welcome to the GOK, my personal audio journal. Okay, so what we're going to do this time is, first of all, we're going to thank you for your read- your listening of uh, chapter one of Kind of Sorta Superpowered and the feedback that I got from a few of you. Uh, I appreciate it. I know not everybody listens to the show right away. So if you didn't, if you haven't gotten around to it yet, I don't blame you or hate you or, um, or anything like that. Um, also wanted to thank one of our, one of our listeners, uh, Chris Tipton. He's a patron and he just upped his support from $4 to $5 a month. And if you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash GOK. And, uh, you know, if you if you do the right amount, you get a sticker. Yeah. Give me your money. No. So what I want to do this week is because sometimes I have a hard time coming up what to talk about is I figured I would experiment. Even though it's Tuesday and I've already missed a day, uh, I would I would talk a little bit every day. And then mush it all together and put it out as a podcast at the end of the week. So hopefully that sounds pretty cool. And hopefully it works out. So I'm going to talk about this tomorrow on That Story Show. Uh, I actually sat down and recorded it with my daughter. But today I had an experience with a mouse. Unlike any experience I've ever had before. And, and those that listen to That Story Show, you know I have danced on mouses. I have, I have uh, smashed them. I have trapped them. I have done all kinds of things because I I allowed one of our doors to to get rotten. Our front door got rotten, and um, it it I I tried to put paint on it to stop it from from rotting, but it was too late, too little, too late, and some of the bottom came out, and it was just enough for some mices to get in, and they did that, and so we had adventures. And we still, to this day, still have one mouse. One mouse is still in our house. And and before you think we're just like simple white trash people, I want you to know these are in brand new. Fr- it, it it is stuck somehow. It's living inside of a brand new set of living room furniture. It's in a chair, a chair and a half. They call it just so you can see how fancy we are. We have a chair and a half. It's like I would call it a seat. But it looks like it's like not quite a, a love seat, but it is a little wider than a chair. But um, there is a mouse living in this chair. And my gosh, we have tried everything to try to get the dumb thing out. And we have we have put traps and bait and sticky traps and, and the spring traps. And and I have I've prayed about it and I've called on the name of the Lord about it. And um, with nothing, nothing has happened. It's weakened my faith because I allowed myself to go to God about it. And uh, God, uh, I, I'm kidding. Uh, I didn't pray about it. I might probably should have. I probably should have because mice are a creation of God after all. And, you know, if he if he can't destroy them, who can, you know? But anyway, this mouse has been living in, in this furniture and uh, 
That's like the weirdest thing ever. I've dealt with mice before. I mean, haven't we all? Haven't we all had a mouse that we didn't want? I remember back in college, Jen and I had a mouse in her in her um, in her dorm room, and uh, we knew where it was. It was behind this chair, and I was like, "We're gonna get this mouse out of here." So we we set up a wall. Uh, uh, we made a wall stinking president wants a wall we made a wall and it was made of books and clothing and other things and it it would it directed and funneled the the potential mouse running area down to an area where he had to turn right just a little bit and then utter he would be ushered automatically out of the door if he just followed the 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 wall unfortunately we didn't have quite enough books and bottles and things to fulfill the needs of the wall. And so my future wife and current sp- girlfriend is about to say spouse, but she was not married to me at the time. She filled in the missing spot with her feet. I shook the, the chair that the mouse was under and just like clockwork, that mouse ran just according to plan down the runway between the two walls that we had erected. But there was a weakness in the wall, and that mouse knew it, and he ran right toward my future bride. And my wife jumped straight in the air, and that mouse zoomed right up underneath her and into the kitchen and not outside. So we've all had mouse happenings, haven't we? Don't we all have a mouse story of some kind? But I've never had one where it's been in my dang chair where it's lived in the chair and there's no evidence that he's left and gotten something to eat and come back or gotten some water or come back. All there is is little nibblings. He's nibbled on the back of the cushion and he's pooped. I don't know what he's pooping. I mean, he's got to be eating something, but I, we, I've turned it over and beat on it and flipped it over the other way and beat on it and tried to make it as uncomfortable as possible. We've never even seen evidence of the mouse except for the poop. The other day, my wife caved. She couldn't handle it. It stressed her out. She says, we got to pay in a professional. I said, the professional's going to do exactly what we've done. We've put traps down around the chair, in the chair. So, but for her, for her peace of mind and for mine, because mine is attached to hers, you know, I can't be sane if she's insane. Um, I went ahead and we called some people. And they sent a very nice man out who said he hated to charge me $180, but he was going to do more of what I had already done. And he put some bait in the chair, a trap in the chair with bait in it. He said, the mouse is going to eat this and it's going to make him all dried up and he's going to want water and he's going to leave the furniture. And I was very happy to hear that because... He was not finding peanut butter very attractive. And uh, I, I did want him to die, but I did not want him to die in our new furniture. How horrible would that be to be sitting there and relaxing or having a friend relax? Because surely you couldn't relax in that chair. But just knowing that there was a mouse corpse deep inside your brand new furniture would kind of mess it up. It'd be like kind of like witch furniture. That's the kind of furniture a witch would have is something with a dead rat in it or something. And, um, I don't want witch furniture. 
But uh, he put sticky traps around the house, around the area. He put this bait inside the thing. And that was a couple of days ago. And uh, nobody has messed with the chair. We kind of let it stew. We're going to give it a chance to do its magic works. If, 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 the, if the bait snatching, snatcher was going to work, then we were going to let it work. But today, I was talking to my daughter, and I was sitting on the couch, and she absentmindedly, well, I don't even think that's the right phrase, but she sat upon this couch, uh, uh, this seat, this chair and a half. And she was sitting there, and I was talking to her about something, and suddenly it occurred to me, I'm like, do you, do you know that there is a mouse in that chair? And she looked at me like she didn't believe me. I'm like, yes, there is a mouse in the chair. You need to get up. She kind of got up, but you could tell she didn't believe me. I said, we've tried everything, and I told her everything I just told you about how we even called an exterminator to put bait down in the chair. And she still was looking at me like she didn't believe me. I pulled on the cushion. And we haven't seen this mouse at all for months. And the mouse is riding on the back of the cushion like it's a daggone parade float. And my daughter freaked out and screamed. And she ran the full length of the house. Our house is not very wide because it's St. Louis. And the, and the house... House tracks are very thin. Like you could almost touch both walls if you had like three people across. But they're very long. And she ran the length of the house and the front door happened to be open because I had been painting a, our brand new door. And she ran down the stairs and she ran halfway down the block screaming and wailing as if, as if someone inside had just died. And I, I might have screamed a little bit too. I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna let you believe that that she was the only one, and and it may my scream may have outpitched hers because I was a lot closer to this thing. Oh my gosh! So later, I, I obviously I I, I I I pushed the thing back in. He had gone away. He had, he had hid, but he's acting weird. He's acting so weird because I'm, I'm sitting on the couch again and I'm watching some YouTube videos. I've been watching Craftsman. And he is very cool, Crafts, C-R-A-F-S man on YouTube. And he's very chill and he talks like this. But I was watching his videos and um, the, the couch cushion had been put back kind of askew. And so it wasn't seated properly. And there was a little opening and I looked and there was the mouse. He was in that opening looking at me and I got up to go get a broom and he saw me and he ducked back in there. So I pulled the couch cushion very bravely I want to say in a lying voice, I pull it very bravely, slowly so that I could give the mouse plenty of time to hide if it really wanted to. And um, there was nothing there. And I poked around with the broom a little bit. And then I, I pushed the cushion back in and bam, there's the daggum mouse jumped out of the, out of the seat. And he, and he hits the floor and I slam the broom down. I miss him. I slam the broom down. I miss him again. He runs all the way over underneath the couch and he's gone. He's somewhere at large to this day to this moment the story isn't over because he is still alive in our house this is stressful this is stressful this is not good for somebody that deals with anxiety because now i'm all awake it's 11:45 at night and i'm still hyped i'm still all all shook up because i'm 
<laughs> we, had, we, we had to go out to eat. My wife couldn't even cook in the kitchen. She's like, we got to go somewhere. So we went to Panera and we had some mouse-free food. In theory, in theory, that we you don't know what's going on back there at Panera. Panera, please sponsor my show. I'm sure you are mouse-free and, and happy to be. But um, anyway, so that's what happened today. And I got the opportunity to sit down with my daughter and, and, and uh, what do they call it? Debrief. I knew it had something to do with underwear. Uh, debrief her on the situation so I could play it as a featured story on my podcast, That Story Show, at thatstoryshow.com. So that's the most exciting thing that happened today. What should have been the most exciting thing was me painting the door. But no, the dumb, half-drunk, messed-up rat with disease now had to had to make a showing and 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 front out my uh, my door thing. I used to do a podcast. It was actually the first podcast I started when um, my the the worst of my depression uh, led up, and it was called Made My Day. And every I would go through and I would talk about the things that made my day of every single day. And I might end up kind of doing that this week because there may not be anything else to talk about other than that. Uh, but MMD, I didn't record every day like I'm going to try to do with this episode. I would just sit down and I would keep notes all through the week. And I would sit down and kind of go through them and tell the stories of everything that made my day uh, every single day. Um, because it was a, a show about recovery and about the little tiny miracles that happen that we can overlook so easily that are part of every single day. And today's, I would have to say, would be the front door. Um, the front door got put in on a very almost rainy day, and it was it's solid pine. And anybody that knows about pine, which I don't, I had to ask. The guy told me, yeah, you better put some primer on this because it's going to rain later today. And he said, I didn't even want to bring it in the truck because it was so humid out. So I ran to the store and I got some primer and I slapped it on there and it did a good job. I missed a couple of tiny spots and there's a couple of little swells, but that's all I did was prime it. And I kind of ran out of energy and then the weather would be bad when I did have the energy, like it would be freezing cold. And I don't think you're supposed to paint when it's freezing cold and then it would be rainy and you definitely can't paint when it's raining and, and it would be freezing cold and you got to have the door open to paint. And I didn't want to freeze the family. But today, if I had an MMD moment, it would be that I woke up with enough energy and enough drive to paint that stupid door. And uh, I did a darn good job. I had the paint already downstairs. I had to go find it, uh, cracked it open, shook it up, the whole thing. I didn't necessarily do it in that order because it would have been very slimy. And slippery if I had. I shook it up first and then opened it. And I you have to paint doors, panel doors in certain ways. I don't know if you, you do this, but look it up on YouTube if you don't believe me. But you have to paint like the frames of the panels, and then you paint the faces of the panels, and then you paint the styles and the rails, and you have to wait for them to dry, and you have to do two coats and all this kind of stuff. So it was an all-day thing. And I left the door open all day. And I'm hoping that mices didn't come in, and I hope they only frolic at night, and they're trying to get in right now, but can't because we got the brand new door, and that would make me happy. Um, it doesn't seem like a big deal to um, have painted the, the the door, 
But um, I know there's some people out there that listen to this show that know exactly what I'm talking about, about those projects that you start and somehow you don't finish and they nag at you. They nag at you worse than the projects you haven't even started at all. Because especially like a door that you enter every single day and every single member of your family, member of your family sees it and every neighbor sees it. And you sit there and you think to yourself how they're judging you and how terrible and how right they are to do it because it's a terrible thing that you can't just stupid paint the stupid door like a stupid normal person would. And how big of a success it is and how awesome it feels to have done it and to have the thing stupid painted. Um, so I'm just saying, I'm sharing from my heart that, you know what, if you can't do it today, you wait till you can do it and give yourself a break because you want to do it. You want to get it done. You want it to happen. And that's what makes you a good person. Not the fact that you can't do it. That doesn't make you a bad person. The fact that you want to do it so bad that it kills you that you can't. That's ma- That makes you normal. Somehow in there, you're still normal, even though depression is beating the crap out of you. I wish I could believe that myself in those times, but I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit on a high after having finished it, and it's at the end of the day like it is. And I always get a little activated right before bedtime. It makes it hard for me to go to sleep at night. So maybe I'm talking a little too high and mighty, but doesn't it make sense that that a person who would hate on themselves for not finishing a project is doing so because they really want to get it done, because they care, because they are in there somewhere in there, they're normal, and they want things to be right, even though they can't be right now? And isn't that the reason it kills you? Because it should be so easy, but it's just not. And you lay in that bed and you know you got things to do. And the only way you can escape it is to go back to sleep. I know what that feels like. But today was the day I finished the door. And you'll have your finish the door day. And then hopefully though, after that, you won't have it uh, up, up, upstaged by a freaking mouse riding horseback on a cushion coming out of the, <laughs> the chair and a half. Oh goodness. You know, I, I always am supposed to do this and I don't ever do it, but I, cause I don't usually use show notes for, for, for uh GOK. I usually just talk, but I should talk a little bit and say, uh, thanks Zane Estrada. Thanks, Carrie Wright, and thanks, Carrie Bernhardt, for your support. Um, It's something I'm supposed to say every time I do a GOK, and I know they don't care, but I care. And I want people to know that they are good givers to the gospel of Kennison, and they, they, you know, the way Patreon works is people um, decide, they say, hey, I'm going to give you a certain amount of money every month because I love what you're doing, and that blows my mind. And Zane and Carrie and, and, and Carrie, as, as they're called, uh, they give a little extra. And so they get mentioned. Um, they're supposed to get mentioned every show, but they don't. And so I'm sorry about that. Um, before I close off today's uh, little tidbit of a broadcast, I want to say that um, Weight Watchers is still going well. Um, I, I lost 0.1 pounds. <laughs> 
So I didn't gain, but I didn't lose. But I remember this from, I think I've mentioned that back in my 20s, I had a successful Weight Watchers experience where I made it all the way to goal weight. And I did it all myself from books that were handed down to me by a former Weight Watchers person. And back then it was so difficult because it was all in books and, and it was you had to keep track of everything and you had to do math. Now everything's on the app on your phone. It's so great. But um, I remember that there would be weeks where I wouldn't lose nothing and I would get so discouraged. And then week four would come along and boom, I'd drop five pounds in one week. And you know it was just water and food and other things just stuck in different places in my body that hadn't worked their way out yet. Um, and, and I'm counting on that being the case here, but, but that's why they say you're supposed to measure your inches, like your belly and your, your arms and your neck. And I didn't do any of that, um, because I don't have a tape measure and because, um, that's weird for, for a guy to take his measurements. It just is. I don't really want to know. I just want to see it. I can wait. Um, but my wife says that she can tell. There's a shirt that I have. It's like a big and tall shirt, except it's it's a XL from the chest up, and it's like a triple X from the chest down. And so it looks like a bell. But it looks good if you're a fat guy because it's a button-up shirt, and button-up shirts are hard to come by because, you know, they, they you can't button them up if they don't fit around your belly. Well, I tried to put it on to go on a date night the other night, and uh, she said, that shirt looks too big on you. And she was right. It did. And so I had to change shirts. And I'm like, surely I have some in-between shirts because I wasn't always this big. And surely I've got some shirts from, you know, when I was growing up, when I was getting big. She said, I don't. So uh, I'm not to the point where I need to replace any of my wardrobe yet. But, um, yeah, I, I, I am to the point that I have... Uh, I don't know what you said. What's the opposite of outgrown? I've ungrown a, 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 a shirt. So I think that's good news. It's, it's sad, though, because it's a good-looking shirt, man. It's a tight shirt. It just uh, is for fat dudes, and I'm not that fat anymore. So uh, I'm, I am. I am not going to lie. I'm looking forward to when um, people look at me and they say the, the thing, you know, hey, you look like you're losing weight. But they say that that takes about 30 pounds before people start noticing at my size. So um, I'll tell you when that starts happening. But Weight Watchers is doing good. It, it's easy for me. Um, I think because I started doing the keto diet and that was so limiting that um, being able to eat what I want and just limiting portion size seems to be where it's at for me. Um, and, and that's good. So anyway, signing off for Tuesday. And uh, we'll put a little bit more on the, on the tail end of this tomorrow and Thursday, and then maybe re- release it Friday, something like that. We'll see if you guys like this. Maybe this is something we do from now on. I don't know. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye. All right. It's day number two of GOK, and um, it's been a, a, a Wednesday. And um, on Wednesday, I drive a lot. I drive a whole lot. I drive Jenna to school in the morning and then I have to pick up Jay in the afternoon and then I have to drive him to youth group and then I drive my wife out to eat and we have a secret date and then I have to drive and go pick them up from youth 
And sometimes Jenna needs to be driven from somewhere to youth too. And then we have to drive everybody home. Today, I didn't have to do that much driving because I drove Jay to youth and there was no youth. And he was all apologetic. He was like, oh, I feel terrible, you know? And I was like, no, it's no big deal because at least I don't have to drive and pick you back up. And we left his butt at home and me and Jen went out anyway. So it worked out great. Um, today is awesome day because today is the day that um, sort of kind of superpowered got listed in iTunes. So you can now uh, find it. If, if you want to find it, you, you're, you're, it may not turn up in the search results for, they said two days, but if you want to go to sort of kind of superpowered.com, you can click on Apple podcasts and, and it'll, it'll log in and get you connected and all that kind of stuff. But by the time you hear this, it'll probably be in the search engine and everything will be fine. And I'm going to be releasing episode or, or chapter two this weekend. So I'm excited about that. Um, today, I had a pretty good day. I wrote a theme song for the Novation Kids outreach that we're going to be doing starting February 23rd. And uh, it's a wrap. And um, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. I don't know. I, um, I wrote it and, and I wrapped it. And then I quickly went over to Fiverr.com and I hired a, a young black man to wrap it and sing it for me so that it could sound like a legit song because I'm a 46 year old white man and I shouldn't be doing any of that kind of business. Um, but he was very kind and, and he is going to do that for me. And I'm looking forward to it and I will make sure to put it on a GOK episode so you can hear the final product and be all impressed with my, my rhyming skills, even though I, uh, can't rap. Uh, I can rap. I just shouldn't rap. That's the thing. I, I can rap. I just do not have a rapper's voice. Um, I, I, I got on uh, Facebook and I said, Hey, treat me like I'm a celebrity and ask me a bunch of questions so I can answer them on GOK. And so that's what people did. And Paul J powers had a few questions. He said, who is the most famous person you have ever met? Well, I would probably say the most famous person I've ever met was Toby, Mike and Kevin of DC talk. Um, I met them at their product table back during a Michael J, not Michael J Fox, uh, a Michael W Smith concert. And they were working their own product table. And I got to shake their hands and get signatures and all that. I mean, and that's meeting them. But as far as the most famous person I know that, that I would say, yeah, I know this guy and I have his phone number and I could call him and he would text me back and that kind of stuff would be Ethan Nicole, the guy that does, um, uh, uh, Axe Cop and has written Ollie Possum, Brave Ollie Possum, a book for kids that's really awesome that you should check out with a ton of illustrations and things like that. Um, and uh, and I also met Doug Tenapel, who did Earthworm Jim. I got to have dinner with him. Um, and so I've I've met a couple of of famous people, people that I consider famous, you know. And then I've talked to a few folks. Uh, uh, because of the podcast that I've connected to, like Ben Heck, he he uh, he he's pretty big guy on the internet, and I interviewed him. I interviewed uh, a guy from Hallmark one time. Um, he he did these two characters. I can't remember their names, um, but he also draw, draws Pee Wee Harris 
and um, stuff for Boys Life, and he's very very cool guy. So um, that's the answer to that. He says, "What was your favorite movie from last year?" I, I think John Wick three came out last year, right? Because if it did, that would have to be my favorite movie from last year because um, it, it's John Wick, man. John Wick is amazing. He's, he kills lots of people and he fights for what is right. And, um, and, and what is right is he needs his car back. He needs his dog back and, and, uh, his wife died and that sucks. So he says, what was your favorite movie from last year? I just answered that, Paul. Uh, you need to let me move to the next line. <laughs> How much do you charge for a selfie? Uh, he, I told them jokingly to treat me like a celebrity and ask me questions like you would a celebrity so that I would be able to answer celebrity questions. Cause I've been watching these, um, I, I don't even know what channel it is on YouTube, but it's, uh, people do Google interviews and it's in, and, and they type in their own name and then they answer all these questions. Well, I'm not famous enough for that. So that's why I said, you need to treat me like a a celebrity. So he said, how much would you charge for a selfie? And I said, I would give you one for free. And so I replied in Facebook and I gave him a selfie and my neck looked weird in it. So I said, all that neck wiggles is free. So, uh, Michael Prince says, what is the strongest belief you had as a kid and a teen that you absolutely don't believe today? And I know he thought that would be harder than it was. And, and I did too. I was really thinking I was going to have to dig deep but it's pretty easy and it has to do with my depression. When I was a kid, I believed that people with depression were lazy and were using it as an excuse to not live their life and that it was full of bull crap and um, totally fake and made up and that they could shake themselves out of it. And I absolutely do not believe that today. And I know there's a lot of people that still must believe that because I did and I believed it with all my heart and I believe that's what my parents did. And, um, I blame them and, and now I've learned it's not true. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of people that, that claim depression and they use it, you know, just like anything to, as a crutch, uh, I'm sure that they use things and, 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 and get down deep and dark places in their lives and they're just stuck there, uh, because they don't want to get out. But, um, uh, it, 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 I'm a person that's not like that. I want to be out of it and I can't be, um, every now and then I'm, but I'm up, I'm up right now. So it's like, Hey, let's do a podcast. Right. So, um, let's see, what is your, what is your, so, so to answer your question, the biggest belief I had as a kid that I absolutely don't believe today is that, uh, depression is, is totally made up and fake. What is your favorite story? Not listener submitted, but one about yourself. One that you hope they might tell at your funeral and live on as legendary. Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. Um, the, the, one of the worst stories. It's not my favorite story. My Mine are the most embarrassing ones. And the most embarrassing one was when I was working as I was bagging groceries. And I, I would always just talk. I would talk to people. And I would just open my mouth and words would come out and I would just be funny sometimes, but sometimes it was just terrible things that I said. And there was this lady and his, and her daughter. And I knew the lady. I mean, I didn't know the lady, but I knew, I knew the daughter and, uh, that was obviously her mother. And I just looked at her and my 16 year old stupid self said, you know, your daughter's pregnant, right? And she looked at me just as straight and as sober 
is there anything? And she lowered her voice and she said, yes, I did know that. But who told you? And oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know. And nobody knew apparently. And I had just said that and it was terrible. And that was the worst thing. So um, if they tell that at my funeral, that would be a sad funeral story. But that is the worst and most horrible, one of the most horrible memories I have. <laughs> so... <laughs> Todd Napier said, how do you originally, how did you originally get into children's ministry? Well, I originally got into children's ministry when I was a kid. I would help out. I was always wanting to help out. Um, and I would help out with kids that were younger. And, um, and I, I just always did. And whatever church I would get involved in, I would always make myself available. I would play music on my guitar and lead worship. I would do uh, uh, puppets and things like that. And, and, um, that worked out to where when I was in uh, college or, or Jen was in college, um, we ended up working with a guy named David Godbout, who's been my lifelong friend since then. And then we're here in St. Louis still working with him, but, uh, I ended up in his ministry and, and, uh, I, I did music and, and did uh, a few puppet characters and, uh, helped, helped out. And eventually, uh, decided to go to Bible school as a result of that. And then um, after a year, I quit and followed him to St. Louis. I mean, I'm sorry, St. Saint, Saint, uh, Nothing, uh, Kansas City. And I ended up at, at his church, Sheffield Family Life Center, which was a church of about 5,000 people. And I interned under him for two years uh, just doing working for free. And, uh, and then one day they hired me as his assistant. And I did middle school ministry for a year. And then they came to me and said, we want you to replace the children's pastor here. And when he leaves and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I did that for eight years and it was, it was the highlight of my life. Um, somebody asked, how tall are you? I am five, nine and a half. The last time I checked. So, um, are you taller than me or shorter than me? You, you know, you know, now I don't know. Uh, Megan, uh, Eck, Eck, in Conson says, what do you like to do in your spare time? But what do I like to do in my spare time? Spare time is kind of funny when you're a depressed person because you have a lot of it because you don't really feel like doing anything and you feel guilty. What I consider spare time is the time that I have after I've accomplished something like today and yesterday when I painted the front door and I scared my daughter with a mouse. Um, so, uh, what I, what I like to do when I have legit spare time is I like to record like this. This is really fun. And I like to play video games, but more than playing video games, for some reason, I like to collect video games. I'm always on steam. I'm always looking for a new video game. I'm always looking for a deal on a new video game. Um, I always wait and I never buy video games, uh, at full price. I always wait for sales and percentages off. The only time I'll pay full price is uh, matter of fact, the only time I have played paid full price was, um, Bioshock infinite. And I couldn't wait. I had to have it. And, uh, I, I got extra gear and stuff because of it. And it was a great game and I don't regret a thing. I play a lot of first person shooters, um, not multiplayer, single player stuff. I love fallout three and I, I want, I want fallout four badly. Uh, so anyway, there we go. Uh, what is your biggest pet peeve? Like the biggest, um, right now, 
because I drive a lot around the city, my biggest pet peeve is people that do not obey traffic signals and, and common sense rules of the road. So like when there's a four way stop and I stop, uh, after you, you're supposed to go right. Cause you stop first. So you're supposed to go first, but people will stop and think they're doing you a favor and they will wait and they will flash their lights. And then I go because, and it takes like 15 extra seconds because somebody was supposed to go and they didn't go. And that's annoying. Uh, another one is when people are merging onto the highway and they don't get up to speed. Um, that's what the on-ramp is for. You're supposed to get up to highway speeds and then merge into traffic. That way nobody has to slow down for your stupid butt. But people do that. They come onto the highway doing 40 and I got to slow down. See, I do the speed limit. I don't speed. And so I'm setting it right at 60 on my cruise control so I don't accidentally go over. And if I have to slow down for you, that means you're driving wrong. You should be at 60 or you should go ahead and do your 75 miles an hour or 90 or whatever else everybody else is doing. I'm doing 60. I'm obeying the rules by God. So should you. Um, but people that don't stop at stop signs would be the last one. They just cruise right through. I don't get it. I don't understand it. How are you supposed to keep your car intact when you ain't got enough sense to have the safety to slow down and stop and look both ways before you cross at an intersection. I, I see it all the time. I, I'll, I will be stopping at, at the intersection and a car will whiz past. And I'm like thinking if I was that guy and he was that guy, we would have just had a life threatening accident. And it happens every single day, at least once depends on where I'm driving. Uh, so, you know, the highway is not so bad, but when you get into the city, people just lose their stupid minds. And that is a pet peeve. If I've ever had one, um, there was one Google thing um, when I typed in, what does James Kinnison, it popped up, do? <laughs> so what does James Kinnison do? That is a good question. Uh, I, I don't do a whole lot, but I podcast and um, I, I try to do odd jobs around the house and I try to draw pictures once in a while and sometimes I write music and um, sometimes I play games with my son. Like we're playing a hat in time on uh, PC right now. And it's kind of like, uh, like a Mario game. Um, and, and there's double player, but we don't play co-op. We just, we just play single player and trade off the, the, the controller. Um, but what do I do? I don't, I don't really do anything. I, I have a children's ministry that's starting in February 23rd. And uh, we're getting ready for that. It's called Novation Kids. It's going to be a rotational model where we start with an opening ceremony and then rotate through different uh, classes. And it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm hoping we'll have a good group. I'm hoping for at least 15 kids. Um, that would be three groups of five kids once we break them up. Um, but we could handle three groups of up to like 15 kids. So um, I, I'm looking forward to that. But right now we, we need to kind of start small because we have a skeleton crew. We don't have many people to go to our church. And uh, everybody's got a job. And, uh, you know, when, once once the little groups start growing, we're supposed to be able to split them up. So two groups could rotate together into one class, so for instance. Um, but they would have their own leaders. And right now we don't have that. So uh, the, other, the other thing Google said is where, when I typed in, where did James Kennison, it said go to high school. And it also said college and stuff. But I'll answer the, the high school one. Um, I, I went to Camden County high school 
in St. Mary's, Georgia, a class of 91. So uh, when's your birthday is something somebody asked. My birthday is August the 8th, 1973. I am 46 years old. Patrick Southern Sullivan says, have you ever been in a fist fight? And the answer to that is, is yes and no. I've never punched anybody. Well, that's not true either, but I consider a fist fight, a a fight where both people are vertical and they're punching each other. The only kind of fights I've been in is where the fight started and somebody grabbed me and pushed me on the ground and we were like locked together and I just had one arm free and I was just hitting him on the back. And uh, that was all I could do. He was just kind of moving around and, and grappling with me i think wrestling and so that's the closest thing to a fist fight um i did a story on that story show one time back when it was called nobody's listening about uh a time that i lied about winning a fight and and the truth was the a guy beat me over the head with a padlock and beat me up and that was the truth so i i've been in fist fights i i can't say i won one but i was involved in one and it was in uh i want to say uh 11th grade and it was with some punk underclassmen who wanted to talk trash uh during practice and then he wanted to fight and i didn't want to fight but i did so uh megan uh, uh says what if you woke up one morning in another country surrounded by people who didn't speak english with only the clothes you slept in what would you do i would check the clothes i slept in for a cell phone and, and if I had a cell phone, I think I would be okay because I could make a call and I could figure out what was going on. Uh, obviously, I had been kidnapped and dropped off randomly in front of a store, I would hope, because uh, then I could go in the store and hang out. And um, she, she mentioned I had the clothes I slept in, so hopefully I would have shoes on. Um, but I don't sleep in my clothes, so... Uh, if, if I woke up in the clothes I slept in, I would wake up in a pair of undies and that would be horrible. So what would I do? I would, uh, I would try to find some newspapers or a place to hide myself. And, um, I would wish for death. That's, that's about it. So Megan also asked if you could stay a whole, if you could say a whole sentence that the whole world could hear, what would you say? That is, that is hard. Cause there's a silly answer and then there's a serious answer, but I don't know. And then there's an answer that kind of supersedes all of it. And that is, I don't know that my sentence, even if it was well phrased and perfectly enunciated, I don't know that it would make a difference in the world. Um, how could I say anything that Jesus hasn't already said? Because I would want to make some sort of a religious statement that pushed people toward loving each other and loving God Um, but, uh, you know, if, if it had to be silly, I would say, Hey, listen to that story show. (laughs) It's on iTunes. Look it up. And that's what I would do. Um, if it had to be serious, I would say, um, Hey, this message is going out to the whole world. Um, people want to learn how to be better people. The only way you could do that is through the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're not capable of maintaining goodness on our own. God's ways are best. You can't argue with that. So it makes sense that we would need God's strength to, um, to, to handle and maintaining that. 
and that's more than one sentence. So there you go. That's too hard. Jim Jim says, what is something that people would never guess about you just by looking at you? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think people would think that I was much of a thinker. Like I, I think about stuff and I like watching YouTube videos that are about science and skepticism and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm fans of people who aren't necessarily Christians that, uh, are thinkers. And, uh, I, I see no problem with science and religion mixed together. So, um, meaning I, I feel like science, what it says happened probably did happen. Um, they just have their time scale off a little bit. I think that they don't, they, I think they under underestimate the universe and the speed at which matter and things can change. And I know they have carbon dating, but I don't believe carbon dating is, is legit as people think it is, but that's just me. Uh, but what is something someone would never guess about you just by looking at you, um, that I was married to a hot wife. That's, that's probably it. I, I think my wife's very attractive and I'm very lucky to have her. And I think they would look at me and my fat self and assume I had a, a, a wife that was about the same, but no, she, she works out. She boxes. She uh, does cardio every week or every day. She works out every single day. The girl is solid muscle, and um, and I'm very lucky to have her. She, I like having her around because she uh, she makes me look better. Um, Jeremy Tellman says, "What was your favorite memory being at Sheffield Family Life Center?" Um, I I don't know. There were so many, um, so many. But one of them that comes to mind is this kid that came up to me. And, and we had these uh, all-in-one uh, communion cups that, that were plastic, and then they had a little seal, and then they had a little clear piece, and that's where the wafer was in. So you could peel off the clear thing and eat the wafer and then peel back the metal part and drink the wine. But these things had been sitting out for a while, and this kid asked if he could drink them. And I looked at them, and, and, I, and they had there, there was something clumpy inside the grape juice. Like it, was, it had turned, you know? And it was clumpy. And I said no, but this kid went over and, and and instead of throwing them away, he drank them. And he comes to me not half an hour later talking about his stomach hurt. And I'm like, you drank those daggum communion things, didn't you? And he wouldn't even answer because he knew he had done something so stupid. So that was that was a good memory. Um, another time we had uh, some a, a, a dad who had gotten out of prison. And he came in the back of my service and he started talking to his kids. And I'd been told about him that he was non-custodial and he was not supposed to have them. And he's talking to them and I'm watching and I'm preaching. And um, then he, he tries to get them up and tries to take them out the back. And I stopped the entire service and I, got, I said, everybody do what you're supposed to do and, and get on them because he is not supposed to have that child out of here. And my workers like zoomed over like policemen and blocked the door. And I said, no disrespect, sir, but you need to step outside and we'll handle this. And we got the security team because our church had a security team called Watchmen on the wall and they got involved and they had earpieces and microphones and makes them look all important and stuff. And, uh, I, I was just really proud of that. Um, all my other memories, uh, Jeremy that are really great involve you. So, um, there you go. Drew Dodson says, I know you like Buzz Lightyear, but how do you feel about Woody? Well, I don't have a problem with Woody. 
Um, if you think about it, every Toy Story movie has been about Woody. Woody's the main character in every one of them. Buzz is just a good B story, and he's a great character. I didn't like the way they presented him in Toy Story 4. They made him dumb, you know? Like his inner voice thing. He had, He was equal to Woody at the end of Toy Story 3. He was just as smart. And uh, even at the end of Toy Story 4, he was just as smart as Woody. But he's suddenly dumb and he's like, oh, I got to listen to my inner voice. That means pushing a button on my chest and listening to what I'm saying. Um, I, I just didn't like that. But I, I, Woody and Buzz are best friends. And um, so I have no problem with Woody. I just don't uh, collect Woody. I like Buzz Lightyear. I like the way he looks. And I have no hate for Woody. People try that all the time. They're all like, Woody's better and all this. And I'm like, that's fine. If you think that, that go go spend 25 years of your life collecting Woody stuff. And I'll be impressed and I will applaud you and we can be buddies and um, and, and crazy people together. But um, I'm a Buzz Lightyear fan. So anyway, there we go. I, I think that's enough for today. So uh, today was a good day. Like I said, it's an up day. Got a lot of stuff done, um, and I promise I will share the rap song that I wrote as soon as it's available uh, with with all of you. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll uh, we'll try to plug one more thing in before I release this episode. So maybe tomorrow. Peace. Okay, it's uh, Thursday, and um, it is three fifty-two in the afternoon, and I got to go pick up Jay in like less than 10 minutes. But um, I realized I got enough content to release a GOK um, without the daily stuff. So <laughs> I figure if I record until I'm supposed to leave, then um, that'll be a good little end note to put on the rest of the thing. Also, um, I, I, I think I mentioned yesterday that I got all those questions from Facebook. Well, I got a few more and I figured I'd answer them in the time that I have left. And we got so many that I'm going to save some of them for a future GOK. Uh, maybe we'll do this again next week. Brent Cushman says, talk, talk about the several listeners that you previously had, but have passed away. Talk about the impact they've had on you. Well, first of all, there's only one person I know of that has passed away. And that is Christopher Titchnell. And, um, the impact his family had on me was that um, they met because of the show and, and they got married and John married them because he's a pastor and that's very special and awesome. And I wish I had gone to the wedding because I didn't know he was doing that and I would have gone. I really would have. And uh, Christopher had a uh, heart defect and, um, but, but me and my family got to connect with them because they lived in Florida and we lived in Florida a couple, three times maybe. And, um, the, the last time I met with Christopher, he gave me my, my favorite, uh, Buzz Lightyear figure. It's a giant Funko pop. And, um, I still have it. And I don't know how much that dude spent on it. I, I, I don't know if he actually got it from the, the, the real, uh, Comic-Con or what, but, um, every time I see that thing, I think of him, and um, I see his wife. I follow her on Facebook. I should say his her, his widow, um, and and their daughter. And uh, I read about her struggles and her successes. And 
she is a tough lady. And uh, it really shows me the kind of people. Oh, oh, that means I got five minutes till I got to go. It it shows me the kind of people that um, are attracted to this show. And it, it really um, it really says a lot about all of you um, that we've got some strong women that, that listen to that story show and to GOK. And uh, she is a tribute. Um, she, her husband would be very proud of her. And uh, even with all of her struggles, and I'm sure she would say her shortcomings, um, she would focus on that. But I see nothing but strength, and I see the grace of God in her life. And uh, I, I see an, an and and the reason I see that is I see it not so much in her, but in her daughter and the way her daughter's coming together and turning out. And uh, you you can't be a bad parent really and expect a good kid to come out of it. And, um, I think a good kid comes from a parent that struggles. And, uh, so anyway, that, that's, that's it. Uh, Daryl Hafner says, have you ever been a part of a stage play? I have. When I was in high school, I was in a play called the monkey's paw. And I not only acted in it as the, the main guy that makes the wishes. Um, I also did the makeup behind the scenes and I did set design for all of the plays, there was a series of three plays that were done together because they're like one act plays or whatever. And, um, I was, so I, he says, well, you're behind the scenes or an actor. I was both. I painted, uh, like I said, sets and designed them, uh, because one of them was like a drive-in movie and all these kids sat in chairs and I had to design the cars that they sat in and all they were, were plywood flats, uh, painted, but, I also got to create the special effect that made the the dead child at the end of uh, Monkey's Paw come, made it appear like she came through a solid door. I used cheesecloth and painted it and put a light on it. And then um, we would flash a light behind the door and she would appear to come through. Much like in Disney's Carousel of Progress, where they have solid walls that look like they blend into nothing. So Elizabeth Heist said, if you had to live in a country other than the United States, where would you live and why? And does Jen agree? We would move to Canada probably um, because my wife loves Canada. Um, I would like to go to Ireland, but Ireland's uh, across the pond and I, I would still want to be connected to America somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, it's like, it's too far away from home. I like where I'm at though. I love America. Uh, Elizabeth Heights says, what's your proudest moment? Um, I, obviously I, I, I think the, the moment that comes to mind first would be the moment that my wife, uh, said that she would marry me. And then, and then the subsequent, you know, it's kind of connected to that is the day she actually did. Cause it's one thing to say you will, I, you know, and then another one to say I do. And, uh, she did both. So my proudest moment is uh, when I got an awesome wife. But um, right up there is the day that um, my firstborn was born and my secondborn was born. Um, those The first one, because she was my first daughter and she made me grow up um, a lot. And the second one, because he's awesome, but I got involved because he was coming out too fast and the doctor wasn't there yet. And, and they didn't even have time to get the stirrups out. And they said, grab a leg. And so I had her foot in my chest and I had my arms wrapped around her knee and I had to hold her leg so she could push 
because the uh, they didn't even have time to put the medication in. Well, they did. They went ahead and started the epidural, but it didn't even have time to take effect before the baby came out. So it was a natural birth, whether we wanted one or not. And some of y'all, that probably makes you very excited and very happy, you natural birth freaks. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's this week of GOK. Uh, again, I got to thank Zane Estrada. I got to thank um, uh, Carrie Wright and Carrie Bernhardt. And, it, and, and if you would like to uh, contribute to this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash GOK. It all goes to a good cause. It goes to my PayPal account and it helps me uh, keep going and, and to upgrade uh, podcast stuff when I need to and to purchase things like, like, I'll be honest. Um, let's see. I got one minute. Um, I, I spent um, money recently to have someone sing the theme song. Um, so for, for the outreach that we're doing with our church. And, uh, I wrote the, I wrote the rap and I bought, a a a, a track, you know, with the music on it, but I, I didn't want to wrap it. So I wrote it and then I wrapped it and then I sent it off to somebody who's more professional, who sounds like a rapper and they are doing that. And the money that I spent to do that was money that I get through, um, through PayPal, through, through Patreon. And it enables me to do ministry and stuff because we're a little church. We can't be affording stuff like that. But um, I'm able to do things like that because of you guys. And it's even so. It, so it goes beyond just the podcast. It goes into real life and real ministry as well. So thank you so much for your support, guys. And we'll see you on the next GOK. And uh, it's been a good week. It's been an up week. And I, I think you can tell that in my voice and, and, and just the way things are going. Um, I, I treasure these up times because the downtimes suck. And, uh, I hope you will, if you're having a downtime, I hope you will hang in there. Uh, actually, I, I, I trust and hope and pray that you'll hang in there because it's temporary. Just like this up is temporary for me. So, uh, hang in there and we'll see you guys next week on GOK. God bless. Peace. <laughs>